Welcome to the official podcast of the Sydney Cricket Ground. Each episode, we will be bringing to you interviews from sports teams, players, live events, plus reliving some of the ground's most historic moments. Subscribe now to make sure you don't miss an episode and let us know who you want to hear from next. All right, let's meet a real rock star, the rock star of the night, if you like. It's that time. Bit of background, if you don't know. Originating from Newcastle in 2009, she was recruited by Cricket Tasmania to play for the state team in the Women's National Cricket League. Corinne was then recruited to the Hurricanes WBBL season in its inaugural year back in 2015, before in 2018 being elected as captain. Away from the cricket field, Corinne discovered her passion for art from a young age and has long credited the hobby as her escape. All the while, as you do, balancing her cricket career and a degree in early childhood and nursing. Right. In 2018, Corinne approached Herald Sun journalist Michael Randall to help author the book with the existing illustrations Corinne had completed to help from the final form the final version of Victress. Last Monday night, as mentioned, Corinne was honoured with being was honoured with you think I could read with what I do for a living. Last Monday night, Corinne was honoured with being awarded the Cricket Australia Community Impact Award at the Australian Cricket Awards for her contribution to the community via her ambassadorial role with the Kindness Factory and the publishing of the book Victress. I feel like a massive underachiever when you look at all of this. Let's welcome her up, shall we? Corinne Hall. <laughs> use this. Okay. Right. <laughs> I'm not the boss. I'm all over it. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Um, are you serious? All this stuff that you've done and on top of this you're an amazing artist? I mean you'll make me get a big head if you keep talking like that. Um, <laughs> you're allowed on a night like tonight I think. <laughs> uh, well this Victress project was um, definitely a team effort. We had a huge um, group of people who really believed in what we were doing and um, I feel a bit of like a fraud up here because those people worked so hard. I feel like I just drew a few pictures of some amazingly, incredibly talented people um, who I admired and, and then it sort of just snowballed into something um, that's really special at the minute. Well, on top of that, I'm sure most people have... What, what kind of reaction did you get from the athletes, I guess, that you've drawn? <laughs> and uh, many of them are here today. What kind of reaction did you get when they, you know, heard about it and, and saw your works? I think that was one of the most touching parts of the whole process. Um, I was just talking before to Lydia and Liesl and I said I was quite daunted by um, the fact that I had to approach these people or that I wanted to approach them and, and let them know that we were doing this project. And I really wanted um, them to be on board with what we were doing. Um, and I was, yeah, I was very shy. I was a kid from Newcastle, <laughs> little Joe Blow, um, asking the legends of the sport if they would, would mind if I drew them and then also asked them for a kindness quote. So I felt like I was asking a lot, but they were so humbled. Um, and the response, I think, just further cemented why we needed something like this. Um, they're so gracious and they're so willing to celebrate um, all the other females in the book but in Australian sport and... Um, yeah, it was just beautiful and it was really warm and hopefully we captured that in the book. Yeah, it's a really unique idea as well. Not only did you draw them, um, Michael wrote about them, but so did you. And you spoke about what, what impact they had on you personally. Yeah, that's it. Uh, we spoke with the publisher and they wanted to write it from my point of view, um, which terrified me. Um, and then my manager, Silvio, had a relationship with Michael, um, who authored the book. And 
uh, we had a meeting and we had a few discussions around why I was choosing these people and uh, he listened to my ramblings and then eloquently put them together into stories about each athlete. So, um, yeah, that was a really beautiful partnership and Michael's very passionate about um, celebrating female athletes just as we all were. Yeah, you clearly thought really long and hard because not only is there obviously the drawing of the individual but something that I guess either reminds you of them or, or links them back to something else. Yeah, definitely. I think there's, well, I mean, the, the things that they've achieved are remarkable and they've overcome so many things. So I think there's an element of each of the athlete's stories that everyone can relate to. And I know growing up, I looked up to a lot of the people that I drew, which put a lot of pressure on me <laughs> and my pencil. Um, but someone, for instance, like Sherelle McMahon, um, growing up, I was a keen netballer and uh, I loved the way she played. She was fierce. It was like she was playing with her life on the line and mm. Uh, she wasn't the strongest or the tallest, but she just had so much fight in her and I think I always wanted to be like her and she was one of the few females that I knew existed in sport. Um, so I guess that was another motivation for Victorious. So any young girl out there who wants to know about females in sport in Australia can pick this up now and I think uh, as a kid I wish I had that opportunity. Tell us the background to the title of the book. Yeah, so um, Victorious, um, we sort of had a bit of a brainstorm session about what we wanted to call it. I thought I always wanted one word. Mm. Um, I thought it'd be really powerful to come across. And I guess Victorious is a bit of a play on victory um, and goddess or princess. Mm. And um, I think it t it, the term actually means female victor. So I thought it tied in perfectly with what we were doing. It is certainly perfect. Uh, Lisa Salaker, who's here, we're going to hear from her in a moment. <laughs> You lived with her on and off over the years. She says that you were just an or are an absolute sports nut. Would be one of those that set your alarm mm. all ridiculous hours just to watch whatever you could of, of Aussies, Aussie women, and I guess Aussies in general competing. Yeah, Lisa couldn't get rid of me. I uh, think I stayed at her house one weekend, and she couldn't get rid of me for about ten years on and off. Um, yeah, no, we've had a great friendship. But um, yeah, I've always loved sport. Um, come Olympics time, I'll watch everything from the swimming in the velodrome, which my family and I grew up just absolutely adoring um, those sort of um, events and then all the way to ping pong. Um, so, yeah, I, I love absolutely every sport and I think I love sport just in general. It brings out the best in people, I think, most of the time. You mentioned your family. They're here tonight, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, all of, them. Have, all of them. All of them. That's good. Yeah, I think everyone will hear hear from my rowdy nan at some point there. She'll get around well, we hope so. and meet everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that must be particularly special to be at the SCG. This venue, to have your event at this venue, and this has, you know, we know it's been traditionally male-dominated as well, and you're just owning the space with your entire family <laughs> and everyone else that's here. Yeah, I think, um, if I'm honest, pretty much every important person in my life is here tonight so um, that's pretty amazing and uh, I think that's something special especially about my friendship group we um, have always been champions of each other and I feel like everything we do um, they are all, all a part of it and mm. it's just it's really nice to share it with the people that have helped you get to where you are. I know you've had some special connections with people in that book but I understand there was a particularly special one with uh, the great lady Dawn Fraser no less. You're right, tell him, let me tell him this story, Dawn. About She's got a microphone, she can answer. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, every athlete um, responded really well and really humbly and um, I actually had contact 34 of the 35 athletes to let them know that we're doing this and the deadline was approaching fast and um, I really, really wanted to get in contact with Dawn. I have the utmost respect as I think pretty much every Australian has for Dawn and um, I think she's the matriarch of female sport and um, yeah, she actually gave me a call. She'd had a, 
little injury and she couldn't email me back and um, I accidentally missed her call. Um, and, oh, my God, I, for the next four and a half hours, I was just looking at my phone, will she call back, will she call back? And um, anyway, uh, I was so glad that you did call back, Dawn, because that conversation is something that I'll remember forever. Um, you're very humble and just a remarkable lady um, who offered you help whenever I was feeling down. Like, it's just that kindness was amazing. Um, yeah, so thank you for all of that. Thank you very much. Dawn Fraser, everybody. Um, Dawn, it's beautifully put by Corinne, and just thanks for having a chat. While we've got you here, we obviously have to hear from you. But uh, what did you think of this book when you heard about it and now you've seen the finished product? Well, actually, when Corinne um, texted me or sent an email, I, I couldn't answer her back because I'd had a very bad fall in Melbourne and had broken both arms. And That's it was very good. difficult to do anything. And my oh, daughter geez. was working. Yeah. Uh, so, and my grandson was at school. So it was very difficult. I was trying to, with plaster on both my arms, I couldn't do very much, as you can imagine. Mm. Um, but then we sort of got through it. And when I, I, I spoke with uh, Corinne, I said, you know, you're doing a very good job. It's about time something or somebody did uh, this about women's sport in, in this country of ours. And... Um, you know, we sort of got chatting and she told me what she was doing and who she was um, writing about and who she was drawing and and she had a deadline and I said, well, I'm sure I can do it. So we sat down, but, you know, trying to text with my arms in plaster. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and we eventually got there. So, you know, when I saw the book tonight, I, I think it's a great book. And I, you know, I can't say, you know, it's the first book I've ever seen about women's sport and... Um, as a fighter for women's sport all my life, since I was uh, 12 years of age, um, it's something that I feel a pioneer that I have tried to put women's sport on the map in this country of ours and also the world. And um, we're, we're eventually getting there and, you know, all of a sudden the whole country has opened up to women's sport and congratulations to everyone in this room that's going to be playing in the next couple of uh, weeks and, and also the Olympic Games coming up and the sport that... Uh, that we're going to get there. And Corinne, you've done a bloody good job. Well done. <laughs> so things are in very good hands. Dawn, I've got to ask, how are you now? How are uh, the arms? Uh, the left arm's not too good uh, oh, at the moment. Um, we've just got flown in from Berlin. I've been away for a week for the Loris World Sport Awards and uh, trying to lift up bags. But without my daughter, I did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> But you had a good time, I hope. Uh, yeah, we did, actually. We're very tired. We, we only landed this morning, then we flew straight down here to Sydney. You landed and, from uh, Berlin this morning. Yeah. And you, Okay. You're <laughs> as tough as ever and a champion, as always. Thank you. Thank you very much. For having a chat. Um, Corinne, I might get you to sit down. Yeah, Thank have you. a seat. Just take a load off. I'll do the rest. Don't worry about it. Um, now it's time for the panel. We're going to hear from some uh, legends in their own different rights. Get started. I'd like them to come up as they, we've got another injured one who can slowly make her way. Three-time Australian Olympic medalist for the Australian Ovals and 2019 Basketball Australian Hall of Fame inductee, Lauren Jackson. Hey, <laughs> Four-time World Cup winner across ODI and T20 formats and former Australian women's cricket captain, Lisa Stalaker. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, nine Olympic medals, including three gold and the first Australian swimmer to reach four separate Olympic Games. Liesl Jones, the biggest smile on the planet. What about this? The head coach of our Australian women's cricket team on the eve of defending their T20 World Cup crown, Mr Matthew Mott. and winner of nine Paralympic gold medals and the 1999 Australian Female Athlete of the Year. Please make welcome the legendary Louise Savage. Right. Sorry, but huge round of applause for this panel, please. Um, Lise, to you first, as like former roomie on and off, over and over, as you say. Can you just put in your own words, Corinne, and this process and her love of sport? Yeah, certainly I can attest to the fact that um, she loves her sport and if you're looking for a nice quiet evening to watch the sport, don't watch <laughs> it with Corinne because she will hurl abuse at the TV, probably throw popcorn, chips, chocolate, actually chocolate she'll throw. Um, I eat the chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> But certainly she's always been um, such a huge supporter of Australian sport in general and, and obviously a byproduct of that is female athletes and um, she's dedicated so much time in watching all of these athletes do what they do and um, she's always been an avid drawer and she's always doodled um, at home and while we're watching some silly Netflix show or something like that, tuning out. But you know, uh, Eliza Doolittle and myself, I call her Eliza Doolittle, um, we've always said that Corinne has got, you know, some wonderful skill and I've still got some artwork up from Corinne and she started to put stuff out on Instagram and people were, were basically asking her to do more and more work and I said, I think you should actually go forth and do something <laughs> really good with your talent and I'm glad that she's able to, to bring in her passion um, of women's sport and, and also her skill in, in drawing. She's done a beautiful job with you, Lise. Thanks, Mel. That was yeah, a lot of pressure. Was, I felt yeah. a lot of pressure doing that one. Yeah, I'll bet you did. <laughs> she would have told it forever you about and it. <laughs> Trust me. Trust us. You, most of you know she'll tell you about it. Um, <laughs> Lauren, you are a, an outspoken pioneer, trailblazer. You're all of those things. You have been for a long time for many different reasons, but obviously women in sport. How much has it changed since you started out and can you believe we're here for this occasion? No, it's, it's amazing to be here. Um, you know, finally women are starting to get the recognition that they deserve. Um, back in my day, you know, we heard stories about Dawn and, you know, I was really lucky because my mother was a great uh, Australian basketball player as well, but we there was no visibility. You know, we couldn't sort of see it on television. We had no social media platforms. Um, and, yeah, we just... We really relied on um, people around us to say, yep, you can do whatever you want to do. And I was really fortunate to have that. But a lot of other young women didn't have that. So um, we're really, really lucky to be here. And, um, you know, personally, I just thank people like Donnie and um, the people that just paved the way for, for me and then for the next generation of, of female athletes. Liesl, why do you think it's been so important for women, obviously, Certain people maybe who don't get it will never get it and wonder why people fight so hard or speak so much about it. Why do you... Put in your words why it's so necessary and has been for so long. 
Well, I think resilience is a big thing and that's a big thing we've learnt this year and it's I, you never see someone more resilient than a woman. I think they're just so so strong and so powerful and they've got something that's built into them that's so much more special than anything else, sorry. But females, <laughs> they're so bloody strong. The things that we do and the things that we achieve, they're just so incredible and I think... Yeah, resilience has just been a really key word for me this year and I just you, you just see it in so many female athletes and we've been doing a little bit of work with the Gold Medal Ready program, getting kids ready for Tokyo coming up this year and um, it's just been so amazing to watch these young women come out of their shell. They are so much more gutsy and grunty than the boys are. You know, we'll have these huge challenges and the girls just get stuck in there. They don't whinge about anything. They just get the job done and they do it so well and it's just so impressive to watch and I've been so proud to watch so many female athletes coming through. I think now is the time that we are really grasping such a wonderful time, not only in women's sport, just women in general. I think we're just going from strength to strength and I'm so proud. And, and, and Corinne, thank you so much for including me. It's just been such an honour to be included with my fellow LJ, Lauren Jackson. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just been amazing to be included in something like this because it's such a wonderful time in women's sport. It's so nice to see. I'm very happy to sit by on the sidelines and cheer everyone else on, but I'm just so proud of what the women are doing. They're just so incredible. And I think what a time to be alive, to see women's <laughs> sport just go from strength to strength. I'm, I'm loving it. Beautifully said. Just beautifully said. And, Motti, I hope you feel welcome. You are so welcome. <laughs> well, I... I, I <laughs> I was walking past the front there and Lisa said token. So <laughs> Do you know what? I, sort of I wanted to say it, so I'm right. so glad someone else. How, how many times has anyone here seen a sporting panel in this country with one guy and the rest are all women? I, I think the political term, politically correct term is gender balance. <laughs> Do you know what, Moddy? We've all been there. We've all been called token, so sorry, it's your time. But uh, as I said... I can deal with it. <laughs> no, we're, well, we're so happy to, to have you here on the eve of just an enormous occasion. We can talk about that in just a moment, but just your journey with the Australian women's team, you must be incredibly proud. Obviously, they're brilliant on the field. I know that they're really tired as well, but to see the evolution of where they are in the sporting landscape now, not just here, but in the world. Yeah, I've been in the job, I suppose, uh, close to five years now. And when I took it on, I had no idea what I was in for, but uh, I did know that there was uh, a game that was going to take, uh, take on. And you could tell the growth in the game, I think everyone needs to remember it's not an overnight success. And I think there's been uh, a, a great foundation paid by the cricketers beforehand. I think that uh, that come on Aussie ad just sums up uh, the growth. It's been there for a while. But uh, certainly the last five years, it's gone gangbusters. It's been an incredible uh, journey to be on with everyone. Uh, not all beer and Skittles either. I, I think I had a full head of hair when I started this job. So uh, they, they wear me down a little bit, the girls. But um, no. uh, look, it's, uh, it's just an amazing crew to be a part of. We've got a fantastic support network um, and, the, and the players themselves, they just drive everything and it's, it's so exciting to be a part of. What's the mood like ahead of the start tomorrow? Uh, nervous anticipation, I think. Um, everyone wants to talk about the pressure, but we've talked a lot about just embracing the, this opportunity. I think everyone knows it's, it's a huge occasion, not just for cricket, but for women's sport. Um, we wear it as a badge of honour. I think the expectation placed on the team is something that we're really proud of. Um, but also we're going to go out there and just play our way and really enjoy it and have a lot of fun. Uh, great build-up uh, India tomorrow night. It doesn't mm. probably get any bigger in a, in a round match. So I think there's 18,000 going to be out there at Homebush. So hopefully we put on a great show. And as we said, our, our main goal is March 8, but we've got a few hurdles to get through first. One or two, but the teams here, 
just quietly. That's a that's a massive thing as well. Can we have we had a huge round of applause for the fact that the team are here? <laughs> just hours to go. Well, if we're not there, we're going to be watching. But obviously, everyone, get to whatever you can because it is going to be such a special occasion. Louise, thank you for waiting so patiently. I, d I actually had my little fangirling moment over there when I saw you, and she said to me, "Okay, it's all right. Calm down." I'm like, "Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Louise. We've just met. I'm very, you know, stop now." Um, you're an absolute pioneer. You're a rock star. You have been for such a long time. This one is nodding along. So many athletes from across the board have looked up to you. You're someone who obviously has transcended you know, gender, the sport, just to be one of the absolute bloody legends, if I can just say. There's supposed to be a, a question in there somewhere. But uh, <laughs> um, I'll ask you about this occasion. and Because uh, we, we, we want to talk about everyone's maybe challenges at some point. But I just want to talk to you about where you think Every, well, women in sport has come from your perspective in yeah. the past couple of decades. Um, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, it's phenomenal to see where it is now and the journey it's taken. Um, I'm, I'm so excited. I'd rather go to women's sport than, than men's sport, sorry. Um, I'm but, um, as well. <laughs> a big fan. Um, I love going to everything and, and seeing it progress. And for me, um, I suppose, you know, having disability on top of that and being a female athlete, um, when I first started out, and you know, I, I kind of, I remember saying to my dad, I'm gonna be a professional athlete. And he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I wasn't gonna definitely, you know, who was gonna back me and, you know, as a female athlete, athlete with a disability, I wasn't going to get any sponsors, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I did make it and I did prove it wrong, I suppose, to a certain extent. And no, none of the male athletes had done it in our sport. So it was kind of cool that I could do it first mm. as opposed to the male athletes, which is awesome. Um, so I suppose for me that was a breakthrough. But then to see where is it at now and um, I'm still heavily involved in my chosen sport and, and coaching and so to see one of my athletes, Madison, do so well now and get the backing that I think she deserves and it's just fantastic to be part of it all now still at such a high level and it's, you know, it's fantastic to be here tonight and to celebrate it even more. So, yeah, I'm just truly honoured to be on the panel. <laughs> well, we're so happy to have you. So you'll be going to Tokyo with the likes of Maddie Di Rosario. I hope so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Corinne, back to you. We talk about the Kindness Factory and your book and asking the athletes to give you a kindness quote, why? Um, I just thought it would add a, a bit of a warmth to the book and as a reader, I guess, I wanted um, the person that is reading the stories to know that the athlete was willing to be a part of it as well. But uh, for me, it was a celebration of one of the main motivators for the book and that was celebrating the kindness factory. Um, I'm a big believer in the work that they're doing and I think they have um, real power to affect big change um, over generations of people. They're, going about um, it, researching and, and sort of developing a kindness, kindness curriculum at the minute that they hope to implement in schools. And I think that um, would be like invaluable for kids to learn about emotional intelligence, trust, building relationships, all those things that you sort of meant to learn as you go along in your journey. So um, yeah, it's, it's a huge part of the whole book. And I guess it was really nice to see all the different um, responses as well. We had some um, Liesl, I loved yours. You have to be kind to yourself before you can really give kindness to others. I absolutely love that. And someone like Liz Ellis said uh, she tries to role model kindness for her kids, so she does it every single day. And um, it was just a beautiful part of the whole book. All right, now uh, challenges. Lauren, to you first. Um, we use the word trailblazers. You absolutely were. And on the biggest stage as well, at the world stage, Australia, and 
the United States, by the way. What was those times like, the early times? We know you got the, you know, the MVP three times in the States. You had legends of the, the men's game as well. Everyone just singing your praises. How was that experience and, and was it particularly tough? Um, you were the best in the world a number of times. <laughs> um, look, it, it was an interesting time. You know, in reflection, I think there's been a lot of commentary around my career and, and some of the challenges that I did have. I did definitely struggle. Um, you know, I'm a country kid. I grew up in, in country New South Wales and sort of being thrown into that um, lifestyle was definitely... Um, it was hard, you know, I really I really struggled in it, but basketball court was my sanctuary. You know, I got out there and I was able to train and play and compete and and in those few hours every day, I just everything just sort of drifted away. You know, mm. I was really happy and I wasn't I wasn't away from home. I was literally just playing basketball, doing what I loved. So, I mean, look, there are there are a lot of challenges and I think some of the biggest ones were power uh, power uh, struggles, you know, and, and between, you know, our owners and us as female athletes and some of those um, difficulties that we had with some very rich and powerful men, you know, and, and I think that's still an issue in sport to a degree today and, I, and there's a lot of things that we can do um, and, and a long way to go for us yet until we're actually on par with men um, in sport. But, look, I think... Um, Tonight's a testament to how far we've come. Um, what the cricket girls are doing uh, these next few weeks is incredible. And hopefully, you know, I'm in my role now to try and help change things for female athletes, for female basketballers but um, in particular. But I'm using my platform as well to talk about these challenges moving forward and, and trying to change um, some of the commentary and the narrative around women's sport in general. Mm. All right, Lisa, speaking of commentary, what about your career? You had a brilliant career and it's evolved. Not only were you a major success on the field, but you're killing it around the world. We can hear you. We can see you uh, everywhere. You, there's a, a couple of you ladies that are doing it. You're all great mates as well, as we know. But how tough was it tough? I was going to ask you about your career, but I just want to talk about the media side of things. How did you find the experience? And now you're really quite well established, Australia, India, and you sort of go around the world as well. well certainly, I don't think I'm well established. I still feel... In my mind, you are. <laughs> I still feel very green and, and still learning the art of commentary. Coming off the field and seeing how it gets put behind the scenes and... You know, the girls are going to be televised every match and the amount of staff and the crew and, and what happens behind the scenes to get the pictures to everyone's lounge rooms, it, it was amazing. And um, it's totally a different industry. Um, and, you know, thankfully I've had some really um, wonderful mentors and, and the guys have allowed us females into the commentary box and been willing to share some of the lessons. Um, but in 2015, uh, Mel Jones, Ishigua, mm. Anjum Chopra and myself... I got an opportunity to go uh, work in the IPL, so biggest T20 domestic competition in the world. And we thought that would be probably the last place that females would be involved in the commentary. Um, but one thing that we all felt um, was we couldn't afford to stuff it up because um, firstly, people would get us confused. So I still get called Ishigua throughout <laughs> the summer. Um, shame Isha isn't here because we could have done 
a, a nice little trick. She could have come up here yeah, instead. Yeah, uh, But, um, you know, we couldn't stuff it up for each other, but also for the next generation of um, female commentators that wanted to be a part of it. So uh, we've used each other, and, and we actually have a WhatsApp group for this T20 mm -hmm. World Cup, um, all the journalists, female journalists, um, digital and commentators, where we support each other. So whenever someone is doing some really amazing work, we'll get on there and, and we'll praise each other. And we know that each other has got their back. So um, it's kind of nice uh, to know that in a world that's predominantly males, um, that uh, females are looking after each other and you're not too bad yourself. Oh, cheers. <laughs> Thanks. Um, it has been great to see these, uh, you, you guys, genuinely love each other and everyone gets along and really is supportive because there's supportive, real supportive and fake, as we all know, let's call it, it it's, it's true. But, um, Lise, just one more on the, uh, the commentary. I wanted to know if you always felt comfortable in terms of in the past in this country there's been oh, I just don't want to hear a female voice on this I just don't want to hear so it doesn't matter your knowledge it's like I don't want to hear that voice I've, I've had that what did you encounter much of that uh, yeah absolutely I, I guess if we were to all kind of look at a commentary crew um, we're probably all like different people and that's mm. what the commentary team is supposed to do. It's supposed to appeal to someone within your lounge room. It's, you, you, there's one that you always hate, there's one that you love. Um, hopefully I'm the one that sometimes is in the middle, not the one that you hate all the time. <laughs> but um, you get the criticism on social media, but I was thankful that, um, especially here in Australia, Mel Jones and I, I think of a period of probably 18 months, we went from every channel uh, to cover all cricket so that people kind of got used to our faces and our voices and um, we were a natural part of the landscape um, and I think that's probably allowed people to go, oh, okay, they've actually got an opinion, we've seen them around the traps, they must be all right. Mm. So I think that plays an important role but it was easier having, you know, Mel Jones by my side. Bunch of great ladies. Lisa, what about you? You speak often um, and you're very open. I know you give a lot of talks and you're very passionate about discussing your journey and, and the real challenges that you face. And it seems like it's been, it's helped you to talk and really educate people on uh, the highs and the really low lows of, um, of the sort of career you can have. Well, I think that's what makes the journey so sweet is the challenges. And I think a lot of people look at challenges as a negative thing. I don't think it always has to be negative. And, you know, at the time, probably my experiences with mental health and depression and um, suicidal thoughts were probably very dark days, let's be honest. But I think that makes a journey so sweet. And if I look back at it now, it's just a chapter in my book, which is quite cool. So um, it's just... It's what makes the good things so good is, is having those challenges and really having a good hard look at yourself and, and knowing who you are as a person and I think that's what makes it so much better. So I'm, I'm, strangely enough, I'm really grateful that those things have happened to me because I have so much more empathy for other people that are going through it and I've got a couple of friends that are going through some really big mental health stuff at the moment and I feel like I'm a much better coach for them. I can help them through it and... Um, because I've had my own experiences with it. So I think it makes me a better person. It makes me a kinder person. Um, and I think that's why that's what my kindness quote was, because it has to start with self and we have to care about ourselves before, you know, put your own face mask on before you can help others. So it's about being kind to ourselves before we can be kind to others. And yeah, I'm really lucky I had those experiences. I think those challenges make it so much better. And um, further to your point, Lisa, I've been confused for Joanna Griggs, Libby Trickett, Susie O'Neill, uh, who else have I had? Um, and also after a flight, Shane Gould. So, um, yeah. After a flight. So a guy, a guy came up to me and goes, oh, are you Shane Gould? And I was like, oh, 
not quite. Yeah. Um, and he goes, oh, no, no, I meant you could pass for her daughter. I was like, no, that's still I'll not like... I, I must have been very tired. I don't know. But I was like, oh, probably not Maybe quite the same had a age. Few drinks but... on the flight. Yeah, so that's all right. So here. it happens to everyone, yeah. I think. <laughs> it, it does. Um, Modi, to you, Lise has um, mentioned it. I wanted to ask you about your thoughts as a head coach of a huge national team. Um, the impact you think social media is having on the individuals. As a coach, do you look at it and go, you feel me? Yeah, I think it's a great point. And we actually had um, Hugh Van Kylenberg from the Resilience Project come in. He had some amazing messages around it. And uh, I just think it's a, it's a, it's a beast that uh, the players run the gauntlet with a lot. And it's, you know, it's part of promoting the game. But there's a, it's a double-edged sword at times. And I, for one, don't like reading um, negative stuff on myself. So I avoid it as much mm -hmm. as I can. And in fact, I, I, we spoke with this with Kev Roberts uh, over in England. And I, I think social media, if, if you get offended... Um, by social media, it's like choosing to step in dog poo rather than walking around it, because most of the well stuff put. on there is absolute rubbish. Yeah. Um, and it's you know keyboard warriors that have pot shots at people um, that have never we talk about never been in the arena, so uh, they don't know what it's like to to have a sleepless night tonight, worrying about tomorrow's game. They they just don't have a clue. So I I would say that it's just balance and moderation, but unfortunately, uh, it is part of the modern society, and we we all refer to it quite regularly, but. Um, it, it's definitely, it can be really dangerous and um, the, the people that are out there that don't really care about the feelings, they're the ones that do the most damage. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a, a crazy little place to, to be on. If, you, if you're in that headspace and you're under pressure a lot, I think um, it's a place to be avoided if you can. I think that's well said. Louise, what about you on that issue? Because when your career started, it wasn't a thing and now it's... Very, thank God she said. Now it's very much a now it's very much a thing. I'm very grateful social media wasn't around when I, in my day. Um, yeah, to, to see what some of the athletes have to put up with now and just the trolling and it's just phenomenal. What do you say to them? What do I to say? The, to them? No, not the trolls. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bite well. back. No, the um, the people who you train who go through that. What advice do you? Um, it's it's interesting. Like I mean, obviously they have their own way of dealing with it. Um, you know, they either ignore it and try and block them and all that kind of stuff. But it, uh, I think it does have an impact definitely on them. And, um, you know, we do have protocols in, in place for coming up to big competitions and things like that and, and social media blackouts and different things with their families as well. So um, we do try and limit it and, to you know, really they have to focus on what they're there for. So, um, no, the, the social media can be, I think, really a, a big problem and also with sleep at night oh what is with that mm. they're on their phones 24 i sound like an old person no no <laughs> <laughs> but it is true it, it gets really frustrating as a coach sometimes um you know you, you see them posting at 4 30 a.m in the morning it's like what are you doing so um stuff like that is very frustrating but i think it is a, just another challenge it's just another element to the athletes these days and, and their life and the, and the way it goes around. And I can see you nodding your head a lot there. <laughs> I, I fully agree, yeah, how it's interesting. Yeah, it's hard. It's so hard. It's something else you've got to deal with on top of everything else. It's not just about the sport. It's 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 huge, just, you know, everything else that goes on around mm. it. Um, Louise, what's your – you've had a few, but what's your career highlight? Do you have one? Um Oh, I'm very biased. I'd have to say Sydney 2000. Yep. Um, I think if any, any athlete to have a, a home games in the prime of their career and um, for me it was just such a big turning point in Paralympic history. Um, four years earlier in Atlanta was quite atrocious for us but, to, you know, I was so determined that Sydney was going to be 
good <laughs> and people are going to come and people are going to enjoy it and experience and, and know what Paralympics was all about and, and it proved it. And I was just so proud to be Australian. Apart from my own performances, you know, you'd have international athletes come up to us and, you know, be on the front and the back page of the paper and on the news and they're like, what is this? This never happens <laughs> in Paralympic sports. So, um, so it's just fantastic and to see it just go from strength to strength and um, if I get to go to Tokyo, it'll be my eighth games, um, you know, not competing, obviously, but <laughs> but um, but yeah, just to see it get bigger and better, and yeah, Sydney would have to be one of the biggest highlights for on many levels for me. Very well said. I'm sure some of us remember it very well. Uh, Corinne, last word, I'll go to you, the guest of honour. Um, or you can just say whatever oh, you like. Really no, no, say whatever really you like. Keep me rounded up. No, oh, you no. go ahead. You go ahead. It was just to you. Well, basically, what was I going to say? Just about this. Well, this book and this occasion. Are there any, is there anything you'd like to say to the room? Uh, just a couple of thank yous, I think. Um, I think I really want to thank Sylvia, my manager, who's had a, a big vision and really believed in, um, I guess, my talent from the get-go. Um, and he sort of worked fearlessly to create a team that would drive this in the right direction and, and got Michael on board, who, as I said before, is, was a really good fit. Uh, and then we combined with Wild Dingo Publishing. Um, we've got a couple of the... The girls here from um, the publishing company as well who have just held my hand through the whole process because I didn't know, have a clue what I was doing. Um, and then obviously to Danielle Clark, um, I can't uh, not mention her from Cricket Australia. Uh, I had one meeting with her in, uh, at Cricket Australia offices and um, I was pretty nervous going into that meeting but we just hit it off and she was so passionate about bringing this um, idea to life. Um, and I feel like I've made a really good friend and you're just a champion of this whole idea. So um, thank you for everything you've done. Um, and just a quick personal thank you to my um, family and friends. Uh, I think you've, some of you have gently nudged me and some have pushed me to um, explore this whole idea and um, it's given me the courage to sort of put this, this out there. Um, and I'm also very proud to represent the Kindness Factory. I'm glad something's going to them as well. So just a huge thank you to all those, but I just want to finish on thanking the athletes, particularly the, the lovely ladies who came tonight. I know you all have crazy schedules and are in demand everywhere and have, um, you know, come from all parts of the world um, and even from an island somewhere. <laughs> have a new Lydia, survivor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm genu genuinely touched by um, your presence here today and your involvement in the book and um, thank you for everything you have done and continue to do for, for people like me to have the opportunities I have. Beautiful. Thank you, Corinne. And on that note, a huge round of applause. That was for Corinne. Can we please have a round of applause for the panel? And, whoa, 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 whoa. And for Matthew Mott and the Australian women's cricket team on their quest.